there, my friends. Welcome to Story You Talk Radio. I am delighted you are here for a live show. We are live in Seattle, Washington. It is 4 p.m. here at KKNW. We will be offering this show as a podcast, and that will be on all your favorite platforms. But did you know we also have an encore show every week, and currently that is on Friday mornings, uh, 6 or 7 a.m. on Friday mornings Pacific time, and that's just going to help you get your commute going You can also listen to us anywhere in the world by downloading the KKNW app. So what is it I'm doing here at KKNW? Well, we're talking all about stories here. This is Story You Talk Radio. And I really focus on the stories you live by, really getting in touch with your health, and your mind, and your wealth, and your love, and your career, and anything else that really feels important to you. And I will tell you this, many of the clients I work with are writers. We are writing memoir and self-development books, and we are monetizing them, getting them out in the world, and helping people claim their right to being an author. You can self-publish, you can traditionally publish. All of that is great. My role with the writer is to mentor you so that you get for your ideas that are floating around in your head, out of your head, and on to the printed page. That's what we want. Publishers can't read your mind. They got to see your words on the page. So I turn people into authors. That's one of my favorite things in the world to do. And you might be the next one. If you would like to talk to me about that, we could have a quick consultation. You can find me at coachdebbie.com. And Debbie is spelled D-E-B-B-Y. Coachdebbie.com. Every week I bring you a new topic, and I really do like to focus on things that are either going to support your mind while you are becoming an author, or support your writing while you are producing whatever it is you want to put out in the world. So today I thought we would talk about a situation that probably affects anyone that writes for more than, oh, say, 10 hours a week. And that is the lonely writer's syndrome. It actually has a name, you know? Remember in the days when we didn't have seasonal affected disorder? Well, now we do. (laughs) And we know all about it here in Seattle, but we don't know about it today because it's beautiful and sunny. But we named this syndrome based on how we feel, seasonal, affective, disorder, SAD is the acronym. We also have this syndrome, Lonely Writer's Syndrome. doesn't spell anything, LWS, but it sounds like a terrible disease when you make it into an acronym. Oh, what are you suffering from? 
Oh, I just have some LWS. Oh, that sounds terminal. Yeah, it is. It's lonely writer's syndrome. Oh, how do you deal with that? Oh, I just don't know. Well, this is how you deal with it. You tune in to Story You Talk Radio. Because I am here to tell you that success is really a team sport. If you're going to be successful at just about anything, you can't do the absolute entire thing on your own and think that that poor little mind of yours is going to come through for every decision, for every unexpected U-turn, for every opportunity. You're going to need some help along the way. If you want to be successful, you want to think of your writing as a team sport where you ask for help and you accept help. And that's going to set you up for some really big wins. Now, a lot of people think, well, I haven't been on a team since I was a child. Well, that's a really good place to take your mind. What were you up to as a child? Were you playing basketball? Were you playing baseball? Were you on a hockey team? Anytime you are on a team, oh, you are up-leveling your skills right away. You're learning how to respect others, how to communicate with others. You're learning that a lot of things ride on ideas bigger than you. Now you might be saying, But if I'm an author, isn't it all about me and my words? Actually, it's more than that. Because if we're going to get your book out there in the world, we need to figure out exactly who you're talking to, who's that audience, who's publishing in that area. We're going to have to edit the book and market the book so the people that you want to read the book are available to the book. There's a lot going on. So the early steps may be that you spend a good amount of time alone working it out, but soon after, soon after you decide you want to be writing, I think it serves you to think of writing as a team sport. So typical teams that writers would find themselves on are things like a workshop. You have lots of pals at the workshop, and they're all writers just like you. They're all being vulnerable, something you learn in a team area. They're all being vulnerable, sharing their work together. If you're working on a team and you're a writer, you probably have a mentor on your team, someone leading you, guiding you, and really listening to you really finding out what your dream is for your book. Another typical team player for the writer is going to be the editor. And that person, again, a really good listener. They're listening to how you're putting your book down on paper, and they're doing this with their eyes, and they're figuring out exactly. I know that sounds weird that you can listen with your eyes, but that's the crucial skill of an editor They want to make sure that exactly what you desire to say in your book is concise, is thoughtful, and is in a language that is going to reach your ideal readers. 
You might also have an agent. You might even have a publisher that's working with you. But to do the whole thing beginning to end by yourself, there aren't that many success stories around that. You might talk to somebody who said, oh, I self-published. I did it all by myself. But I bet you along the way, they asked some people for some tips. They probably were in a workshop environment. They were probably doing a lot of scrolling to see if they could get help somewhere. Honestly, I can't think of anyone that from day one to day done did everything by themselves. Writing is a team sport. And if you're trying to do it all by yourself, you are going to experience what I would call the lonely writer's syndrome. So today, my dear friends, I want to introduce you to your childhood. This was a time when your folks were encouraging you to get out there, to join the band. They were encouraging you, get out there, pick up the baseball bat. Get out there, be a Boy Scout, go to camp, do things with other kids. Now, a lot of times you might have felt nervous and said, but I don't know if the kids like me. I went through that a lot. I was a really good reader because I was spending so much time on my own, certain that there wasn't a single kid on the planet that wanted to hang out with me. I was one of those bullied kids. So I wasn't joining sports. I wasn't in the band. I wasn't going to camp for quite a while. I was reading. That was my safe place. But it did. It got pretty lonely. And there was a point in time when I thought, you know, I just want to see if there's something I could do where I'm not always by myself. I got really, really involved in gymnastics. This was around the time that Olga Corbett and Nadia Comaneci were, you know, winning those tens. They were, I want to say these were the mid, these were 70s, mid 70s. And I was starting to develop this sense of desire, I'm going to say, a real desire to be around other kids that did what I did. I was tumbling all over the place in a good way, you know, cartwheels, handstands. I wanted to do that with kids. So I got on a team. I got on a gymnastics team. And here is something that kids learn. And I promise I'm going to take you back to writing in a minute. But kids on a team learn a sense of responsibility. Kids learn that they can't be selfish all the time, that those tendencies are going to wreak havoc with the team, and that raises their ability to be respectful and to have good sportsmanship. Kids are probably in some way learning communication skills. They might not really be cognizant of it, but they're definitely learning how to cooperate with others and share. They're learning how to even handle things like setbacks. If you're on a team and you're competitive, 
Every now and then you're going to lose, right? You got to have a way to handle those setbacks. You got to have ways to problem solve together, to find your rhythm together, to get beyond yourself, to listen to others. All of this happens as a little kid on teams. You're playing sports. You're, you're playing in a band. You're, you're out with your scouts at camp. And all these skills are taking place. You're not really thinking about it. You're thinking about making candles in the dirt. You're thinking about hitting that next home run. Or maybe even, maybe even picking up the trumpet and blowing out a solo in the middle of a song. But you are part of a team. I really feel that it starts by being a kid. And if you know that way back there when you were a kid, things went pretty good by being on a team. You learned things that were essential to you. Then you can come back to your desk, your paper, your pen, your computer, and you can drop the lonely writer syndrome because there's ways as a writer to be a team player. And I'm going to help you today learn how might you start that. The next segment of our show which is coming up in about five minutes here, we're going to go to my guest, Don Berman, who has played in many bands. And he's just going to shed a little insight for you on how great it is, of course, to get the solo, but some of the things that are important if you're on a team. And it, it carries over, I promise, to your writing. In the last segment of the show, I am going to give you some tips on how to find some workshops, a mentor, editor, agent, things like that that are really going to build you up as a writer and help you see that 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 lonely path, that lonely writer syndrome can be dialed way, way down, if not completely shut off. Another thing I want to do right now is tell you that I have a class coming up on storytelling. And while the class is pre-recorded, it will, if you sign up for the class, it will include eight recordings that you can listen to on your very own time but I'm also going to add a section so that if you want, you can join a community of writers and have your questions answered. You can maybe read a little bit of what you're writing. You can accept feedback from us. And before I actually allow anyone to offer you feedback, there will be a little training on how we give feedback because we only give feedback that is useful. Mm-hmm. And it's never useful to compare or to make crass judgments or things like that. We don't throw our fellow writers under the bus. We open our arms to the fact that workshopping allows us to move forward with our writing. So 
I am going to tell you a little bit more in the show how you can purchase the writer's immersion. I do want to let you know right now, it is on pre-sale, meaning it's coming out in April, real time right now, it's February. And so if you off, if you uh, invest in the pre-sale, that is a 50% off. That is a 399 offer instead of 798, which it will be going for in April. So early bird gets the worm. You're going to like the class, the story immersion. I'm going to tell you how to get that. First, though, we need to take our very first break here. But when we come back, we're really going to dive deeper into how you beat the lonely writer syndrome. Stay tuned. Did you know your writing coach, Coach Debbie, is also a master level life coach trained by Hay House author, Alan Cohen. She's offering free 30-minute consultations to anyone, not just writers, who are wanting to discuss a big stretchy life goal, which might include, how can I work on my bucket list? How can I better relate to my children, spouse, boss, or in-laws? What should I do about aging and feeling scared to be seen? How might I double my income fast? Email Coach Debbie at CoachDebbie.com slash connect for more information. And right now you can also enroll in Coach Debbie's April course, The Story Immersion. You'll receive eight pre-recorded classes throughout April that you can listen to on your own timeline. As a listener of the podcast, you qualify to save 50%. Simply email Coach Debbie by visiting CoachDebbie.com slash connect. And get started on the life goal or writing project you've been dreaming about. Welcome back to Story You Talk Radio. I am your writer, Coach, Coach Debbie, and I am I am excited. I was going to say elated and excited at the same time. I am excited and elated that you are here today. We are talking about overcoming lonely writer's syndrome. Robin wrote in to me this week and said, I'm back to my writing and I'm feeling really lonely. I'm remembering why I left it in the first place. Michael wrote in to me last month and said, I've been thinking about my next writing project, but it all of a sudden occurred to me how lonely I was doing it. So I don't know. Do you have any tips? Both of these people helped me decide that this would be a great topic for today's show. I also want to add that one of my recent clients, Becky, she released her second book. And when I asked her at a live interview at Third Place Books here in Shoreline, do you ever get lonely writing? She said, and I loved this. She said, I get lonely when I don't write. I've formed a relationship now with my writing and with my photography. If I'm starting to feel lonely, I just get to writing or I grab my camera and I go outside. I loved that answer. I also asked Diana, who is living in France, and she's creating a French blog around her cooking 
I asked her, do you ever get lonely as a writer? And she said, I don't like to tolerate loneliness. And when I sit down to write, I think of all the people that are going to love eating the food that I've created. So no, I think of them and I'm not lonely. These are just tiny little ways that you can jump into your creativity and move from loneliness into that thing you are creating, which is often a book or a blog or a speech. We don't want you feeling lonely. But there's many other ways to be creative. Today, I want to introduce you to Don Berman. You've probably heard him with me in previous shows. We have a great time together. Don is a professional musician. He is a drummer, and he has played in bands for decades and knows so much about the fact that success really is a team sport. Of course, it's great to get some time to play a solo, but if you want to be successful, it is important to know how to engage with a team. So let's bring Don on the show and just ask him a couple of questions here. Welcome, my friend. How are you doing today? Hey, Coach Debbie. Great to be here with you. Thank you very much. You are welcome. So I have a couple of questions here for you. I was wondering, when you started playing in a band, was there anything that you really were surprised? Maybe even you experience it now, but you were surprised what fun it was to be just rhythmic with other guys in a band. And can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I think a lot of people believe, no, no, it's lonely now. It's always going to be lonely. And then you get together with others and there's these great surprises. Can you shed a little light on that for us? Yeah, there is sort of a uh, an internal and external part to it. I was thinking about this when we were going to talk and I, I went all the way back to sixth grade because that's when I was finally uh, able to start drum lessons. So a drum lesson, I did have a teacher, and he would show me stuff, and he'd have me practice it, reading music and playing rhythms and playing and stuff, which I did on my own. But the reason I was doing it was because I knew I was going to get to be in the junior high band, concert band. And I remember... I had been taking lessons, and I remember the first day I went to band uh, concert band practice, and we had a walk from our building a half a block away to the band room uh, in the elementary school because that's where the junior high band met. And I, this room was full of musicians. You know, a concert band's got maybe 50 kids or more in it, and I was standing there in the back with some of my fellow drummers who were already in this thing. And we had music in front of us and the band started playing and we had to count a certain number of, of, of bars of rest till our entrance. And then our entrance came and me and this kid next to me, he started playing because we were learning how to read. And we started playing these little drum parts, but it went with the whole band. And we were the first time I played with other people, I was playing like 60 people at a time <laughs> in this band room. And it was a real rush. 
I'll bet it was. I'll bet. And you said you were in the sixth grade? Yeah, I remember the piece was some kind of a Mozart thing, and the band was going, da, 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 and we were going, bop, 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 bop. It was so exciting. It was really cool. I'll I never bet. forgot that tip, what we played all this time. You know, I experienced that when I was in choir. You know, we had sopranos and altos and first sopranos and the guys, the tenors, the baritones, et cetera. And you just had your own little part. And then all of a sudden, boom, all these other parts would jump in. And it, it was amazing to me how fun it was. You know, I just had to learn my part and hold my own part. But when it all came together, it was this big celebration almost. And I would say I learned a thing or two about sportsmanship. Do you find that that was something you learned along the way, being in band? Well, we had to, uh, well, literally, there's, uh, they have contests that, that you go to in the school. I don't particularly like viewing uh, music as a competitive sport as much as, you know, like wrestling, which I did for a while or something. But that was a team thing because we had to rehearse very hard and we were all, uh, you know, influenced to make sure we really had our parts together. So we would practice them by ourselves. But then when we went to rehearsal, we tried to get these contest pieces up to the highest level of performance we could. And then we had to get on these buses and drive to a school in another uh, town and there was bands going there on their buses and then we had to go into the contest room in this auditorium and the judges were out there and we were playing and so we really all wanted to do our best not just so that we looked good but we wanted we knew that the the band was depending on us if we were going to get a good score you know in that contest so even even playing in the band was a, a, a literal team thing when it came to that yeah yeah that's what I was thinking about and just the respect you probably developed for all the other people. I would imagine that would be different if you had an instrument where you were always the solo or, or like the, the singer-songwriter that always played acoustic alone. If you're in a band, I'm guessing you're developing a certain respect for each other. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, that that is a whole other part of the business people who just play unaccompanied, you know, they're, they're solo performers. I was, I mean, uh, there's not a lot of that for drum set, but I studied percussion uh, in college where you're playing, you know, uh, melodic um, instruments like the marimba and, and stuff like that. So you could be performing by yourself, but I liked being part of the team and the band director was very appreciative of all our sections and if you're doing a good job he'd compliment your section in front of the band so we appreciated the uh the skills that kids in the other sections had and we you know we respected each other and there was a team feeling because uh we were all doing something together you know it was very it it, it felt like belonging yeah it, it, being accepted and valued and belonging to something bigger than me. And uh, that's a good feeling to feel like you're part of something bigger. Uh, people need to belong to something or feel they have a sense of community, I think, which maybe 
addresses a little what you're doing with writing like that. Uh, you can do it and be part of a community. I think that's very important, a basic human need. I think it is too. And in, in the writing community, we're doing just that. We're, we're finding that we belong, but we're also finding that a certain amount of it comes from how we listen to each other. And I would imagine being in a band, you're, you're just so attuned to listening at the other people in the band so that you're holding your own part just right. Is that so? Oh, absolutely. You're, uh, you know, you are, uh, you're accompanying. And so when you're accompanying, you're supporting. So you're listening, you're listening to what they do more than even what you're doing because you want your uh, notes to blend with them, you know, I call that ensemble yeah. technique. You want to be locked in with them. You want to be supporting them. You want what you're doing to make them comfortable so that they play better. Yes. This translates directly when a person is in a writer's community and they've been trained on how to give feedback. They're, they're learning to listen to the other person reading and notice that it is the other person's interpretation that they are now giving feedback to. And it's not how they would have written the book. It's listening to how that person interpreted. And so when you do that, so like you have you have Billy and Sandy, and Sandy is reading her story, and Billy, by being in the group, learns not to say, well, Sandy, you know, this is how I would write it. Instead, he says, Sandy, I really heard how you wrote this story. And, and then he jumps in and offers feedback from that stance. So I'm guessing in a band, you learn a lot of this too. You learn to appreciate how the other musicians are interpreting a piece of music and how you will work with it as well. Exactly. I, especially in when you're in a, a, an ensemble, the bigger the ensemble, the better. Like if you're in a jazz band and you have to do something that's supporting the, the what the five trumpet players are doing at that certain point of the piece, sometimes the director will say, okay, drums and trumpets. And he'll say to the drummer, he said, listen to what those guys are doing at that note there. That's what you're supposed to be connecting with. Because sometimes you have people in the different sections, they're just reading what's on the paper on their stand and they're just playing those notes right. They don't even know how it fits in with the bigger picture of the piece that's being played. And so they're really not part of the ensemble. So uh, sometimes uh, it's good. Almost uh, this famous drummer in a big band in New York, Mel Lewis, used to say, the, the secret to his ensemble technique and supporting his band so well that when he played, he didn't listen to himself. He was busy listening to the band, to what he was supposed to be supporting. He paid yeah. more attention to them than himself even. That makes a lot of sense. I, c I can understand that. And so maybe the maybe the student in your class listening to you read your stuff from writing this week, mm -hmm. he's paying more attention to what you're writing than what he would have written or than what he wrote this week because he's focusing 
on what you're doing. And, right. Uh, as he that's should. That's where the value is. Yes, yeah, as he should. Exactly. Because when you're in a group, you're not there to tell someone, well, if, if I was playing that, you know, I'd play it this way. You're in the group to hear how it's being played and you work with it. Not against it, but with it. I think there's a lot of corollary there. And I bet that bands also go through situations where they feel like they had sort of a setback or they felt like the the audience just wasn't completely in the groove that night. And I'm guessing, and I want to ask you, do you think it'd be easier to deal with that if you're in a band than if you were playing a solo act? What, if the audience isn't quite where you wish they were tonight? or Yeah, something felt like a setback, like the room just didn't have the right vibe or, you know, something like that. Do you think it's easier to deal with something like that if you're in a group, a band, as opposed to... Oh, I'm sure it is. I mean, if you, if you, you know, I had to play a senior recital at the end of my uh, senior year at one of the colleges I was at studying performance, and, you know, that's spooky because... You got all your uh, peers out there in the audience and a bunch of people watching you and it's just you. So you're, you're not, you have not, it's true. There's nothing to hide behind. So if you make a boo-boo, you know, you got to own it that you made the boo-boo. That's, that's a different kind of pressure yeah. than if, if I was, uh, I used to play music theater shows and I was the drummer in the band for the production and, you know, uh, Friday night it was like dress rehearsal, even though it was supposed to be opening night. It was like, okay. But then Saturday night, man, we were ready and the show was happening and people were laughing at all the right parts and clapping <laughs> loud at all the strong parts. And you're the same people, but the audiences do change. Or then you play the hot Saturday night show and you come in the next day for the Sunday matinee and it's just lower energy than the Saturday night show. And so you have to, you have to give it all you've got, but there are things out of your control where you go, well, you know, every audience is different too. So sometimes you just go, man, that show, that line, they howled at last night, tonight, it was like crickets. It's like, didn't they know that was funny? You know, because you can't control that part of it, but uh, it does change from performance to performance. And if you're part of the troupe, you go, well, the team was working together, so you know, you don't get all the glory, but you don't get all the blame either. So I can speak more to that than solo stuff. Exactly. I, I, you know, I've done more ensemble playing and I'm not even that wild about drum solos. I like playing. The band is always a bigger thing than the, the solos. Uh, I think mm-hmm. I wanted to throw this in the, uh, the Rolling Stones used to fight with each other all the time, Mick and, Keith had huge feuds and Charlie wanted to kill uh, Mick at one point. He was mad at him. And, but they, whenever they, even no matter what was happening with them individually, when they went on the stage and it was showtime there, when they became the Rolling Stones, it was this whole other much huger thing than any one of them. The whole was much, much, much greater than the sum of the parts. Right, right. I remember when you first told me that story because I was I was thinking about the fact that 
the the lonely walk all by yourself, that syndrome of just feeling like you're always on your own. But then you end up with a group and they're fighting all the time. You know, that makes you want to go back to being alone. But I've heard again and again and again from people that regardless of what went on with the group, that you came away with so many more skills than you would have if you always depended on going through something completely by yourself. So, Oh, yeah. yeah. The, the, the group the group dynamic and the power of the group is always it's just greater than the sum of the parts so if you're part of something bigger than yourself uh that's much more than you could do alone you know there's organizations uh in the world where people we can do together what we cannot do alone and uh i think that applies to a lot of uh arts as well as uh meetings for people in recovery or whatever i do I do too. Great point. Finally, my last question for you. Yes. What do you think makes an excellent team member? I mean, we've talked about respect. We've talked about problem solving. We've talked about, you know, um, collaborating. Is there anything in there or something else that comes to mind that you think makes an excellent team member? Well, I know, like you said, you whatever they're expecting you to do, uh, your part in the process, you want to look at all the problems of that you want to nail them out. So you're on top of that and in control of that. But uh, uh, a more important part, I know this happens on sports teams or something, you know, uh, you have to be there for your teammates. And if they have a, a, a bad night or a bad day, You've got to be there and tell them you still got them and you're still with them and you still support them and you still believe in them. And uh, that you have to being a good teammate means you're there to uh, lift up the other members when they have anything that might happen. You know, if you and I are on a football game and you've made 10 field goals straight and there's 10 seconds left in the game, you got to make this one to win the game. And it's the first one you miss all year and we lose because you missed. <laughs> that happens. It does. Well, if you're a good teammate, the first thing you do is you go over and put their bat, your your arm around them and say, hey, man, it's okay. Yeah. You know, we all have, we know you're great. We're with you. We're, we love having you here and it's going to be cool. And, you know, uh, anything, all the talks you hear, people say, if you're going to be successful, you have to be able to get knocked down by whatever it is in your area of endeavor and get back up. Yes. Everybody, that's a universal. So if you're a good teammate, you have to be able to pick yourself up. You have to help your teammates get back up too. Yeah, yeah, well done. Success, we have to accept the help around us. Be a good teammate. You really Let them help you. Out. They'll lift you up. They'll lift you up when you need it and they'll make you stronger and they'll, you know, they'll lead you towards a successful season or endeavor or whatever it is. You got to let, you have to be able to receive and give, you know, you hear that a lot. Like you have to learn how to receive because these people here want to give you something. Some people have, a. it's easier for them to give than it is to receive as much as we think we like to receive presents and stuff. Not everybody can receive and it's an art and it, it it's important. Yes. Yes. And we learned this, we learned this by being, 
on the team, in the band. We go back to these these childhood situations and we figure these things out when we're just in our formative years. And let me tell you, friends, these are the skills that are going to help you as an adult. And especially if you find yourself in a career like writing or in a creative outlet like writing, and you don't want to be that lonely writer and the syndrome and the, the thoughts and the the fears and the doubts. You want to actually find ways in which you can connect with others and use that part of your brain that used to be in the band, just like Don or on the team or in the scouts. I hope, my friends, this is helping you along. I want to thank Don for being with us today. You were really, really helpful for our topic and well, thanks, Ted. You could ask your you could always ask for help. It's out there. It's available. So if you're writing something and you're stuck, you can ask a coach. You can ask your fellow writers. Man, I hit a wall here. What can I do? They'll help you. That's right. That's right. You got to get some fellow writers to have fellow writers in your corner. Well done. And receive and receive what they're offering. Yes, absolutely. Okay, friends, we've got one more commercial. I got to sneak in right here. And when we come back, some final tips about getting out of that lonely writer syndrome. Stay tuned. Did you know your writing coach, Coach Debbie, is also a master level life coach? Trained by Hay House author Alan Cohen, she's offering free 30-minute consultations to anyone, not just writers, who are wanting to discuss a big stretchy life goal, which might include, how can I work on my bucket list? How can I better relate to my children, spouse, boss, or in-laws? What should I do about aging and feeling scared to be seen? How might I double my income fast? Email Coach Debbie at CoachDebbie.com slash connect for more information. And right now you can also enroll in Coach Debbie's April course, The Story Immersion. You'll receive eight pre-recorded classes throughout April that you can listen to on your own timeline. As a listener of the podcast, you qualify to save 50%. Simply email Coach Debbie by visiting CoachDebbie.com slash connect and get started on the life goal or writing project you've been dreaming about. Welcome back to Story You Talk Radio. We're having a lot of fun here today. We're talking about overcoming something that a lot of people don't even want to admit they're going through. They're going through this thing called the Lonely Writer's Syndrome. In other words, they're spending all this time by themselves and they have no perspective. Is this writing I'm doing going well? They're thinking almost, too, a lot of people, that they get a certain badge of honor if they spend their whole week alone just grinding it out, and you really don't. You don't win anything for that, although you might win a little loneliness. And we know it's not where you want to be. You don't want to be that person that just has lost perspective in I writing something of value. 
how is this all going to go once I put it out into the world? What I like to lead are communities of writers where I offer mentorship and I help people find an excellent editor, possibly an agent or a publisher. When you start to form a team that you work with, a lot of the time that you would have been alone otherwise, you're not alone. You're getting feedback. You're dealing with certain setbacks with others. You're learning how to problem solve, how to collaborate. You're developing a lot of respect for the people in the community. I want to let you know that I offer what's called the Superstars Community, and this is for more of a beginner writer, and the doors are open right now. If you might be interested in that, we meet for six months, or you can choose one year. And like I said, I open the door a couple of times throughout the year. And these are people who do a little bit of sharing their writing. We do a lot of coaching on being the writer they want to be. We also do some mindset work together. If this sounds something like something you would like to be a part of, you can write to me. Just go to CoachDebbie.com. Debbie is spelled D-E-B-B-Y. CoachDebbie.com. Click on Connect and just send me a little note about the writer's community. I'd be happy to tell you about it. So as we wrap up our show today, I want you to think about this that if you're going to overcome loneliness as a writer, you're going to have to get a little bit vulnerable and start asking for some help. Maybe reach out to a mentor like myself. Maybe reach out to a community where you will quickly build bonds with nice new people that want to know what you're reading and writing, and they want to be there to help you. I want you to also think about the fact that you want to bring some of your most excellent skills to a community. So what might some of those be? Are you the person that has a strong sense of responsibility? That would be very much respected in a community where you are responsible for how much time you take up, You're responsible for the words you share. You're responsible for how you give feedback. You might also want to think about your own sense of respect for others versus selfish tendencies, how you might really honor the people in the group, how you might honor what they have put on paper. You might be someone who is very skilled at problem-solving, So if you were in a community where other members have an opportunity to ask questions, you might be the person who can sort of connect dots for others and keep it really simple for them to understand. You might be someone that helps maintain the rhythm of the group by the way you support others. You might be someone who is very cooperative very open in your communication, any of these skills, even if you brought 
one of these skills and you practiced it again and again, a writer's community would really appreciate and respect that. It doesn't matter, my friends, if you are working on a blog, if you are working on a full-length book, if you're putting together a speech, if you are trying to go at it from the very beginning to the very end product and everything you do is alone, you just might become very lonely as a writer. In fact, when I was speaking with my sweetheart recently about does he have a second book in him and might he want to get ready, he commented that he thinks of writing as something that's quite lonely and that he doesn't like that aspect of it at all to the degree that, no, he doesn't think he is ready for a second book. I thought that was really interesting. And I said to him, do you think that's really common, the idea that writers live like a a lonely life while they're doing their book? And he said to me, yeah, you know, you have to give up all this time to do it. Well, my friends, that's just one perspective. And it's not wrong. It's just that I don't know that it serves most of us to toss your whole life by the wayside so you can have 50 hours a week to write. For most of us, that's not the least bit practical. And it will lead to a very, very lonely heart. It'll make you think, that it is completely up to you to do your book. When the truth is that there's mentors, there's workshop pals, there's editors that want to read what you're up to and help you. Do you do you have a sense of what an agent does? Now this is this I think is really cool. When you know for certain I am going to put this book out into the world and I want someone to help me really find my niche with a publisher and my own audience. Looking up an agent behooves you because right away you've got someone almost as good as a mentor, (laughs) almost as good as a mentor in your court because their whole job is to sell your brand not just to a publisher but to the right one. So they're really getting intimate with what you do. They're reading your work and they're trying to match you up. They're almost like a love matchmaker. They need to know you and they need to know the publisher to see if this would be, uh, quote, a good marriage, a good partnership. Having an agent on your side is wonderful. And it is, I will say for the serious writer. Having a mentor on your side is going to take you a really long ways. And here are some things I want you to ask the person that you're thinking of hiring as a mentor. One thing to ask the mentor is, what do you think is your strongest skill as a mentor? I would tell you if you asked me, One of my strongest skills is I not only listen 
to what you share with me about your book ideas, but that helps me really see the book inside of you. See what it is you really want to create. Whether you told me or whether you're starting to hint at it, I can usually put two and two together and ask you a few questions and you're going to go, oh, oh yeah, that's, that's even more than I was speaking about, wasn't? Yeah, that's it. That's what I want to do. Another thing you want to ask a mentor, if you're thinking about hiring them, is in what capacity are we going to work together and in what capacities do I need to work on my own? Because there's no reason to hire a mentor if you're going to stay lonely, you know, or if you're going to continue to feel stuck. Take the time to get on a call with a prospect and ask them the questions that you need to know most. If you are suffering from lonely writer syndrome, there are ways out. There are communities, there's coaches, there's agents, there's editors, and eventually in your future, there will be a publisher for you. But my friends, if the whole thing you experience ends up being lonely, it's going to affect your voice. It's going to affect the amount of time it takes you to do this. And honestly, it's just going to affect your overall vibe and your drive for the writing project. So I want to encourage you today, working alone is not a bad idea. But once you start to feel lonely, that's when you really got to wake up and realize this was never meant to be a completely solo project. Writing was meant in many ways to be a collaboration. And my friends, if I can help you on that journey, I'd be most happy to. You can reach me at CoachDebbie.com. That's D-E-B-B-Y coachdebbie.com. I bring you a new topic every Thursday. Until next week, my friends, when we meet again, namaste.